You could turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3 this morning. This is kind of the end of uh, something we've been trying to do for four weeks, and we hope that it makes an impact this morning as we kind of culminate this little series on what the church is to be about. I'm not going to call it a seismic paradigm shift, but maybe a little bit of a shift in what even we've been used to here at Hope, and I'm hoping we kind of get this this morning. So why don't you stand with me if you've turned to uh, Mark 3, and then we'll say a few words of introduction, give you a few thoughts, and then we're going to do something a little bit different this morning as we've got some other folks who are going to come up and share with us about some of this truth. By the way, did Hale and Laura ever get back from Haiti? Oh, they're there. They're here. I, you know, I'm tempted to say, how'd it go? I don't think that's the right question to ask, but... Um, Maybe, maybe we could, maybe even at the end of our service this morning, maybe you or Hale or, could come up and maybe close us in prayer and maybe just share a word about how Haiti went. Could you do that? Okay, cool. Mark 3, look at verse 13. We'll read 13 through 19. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him the ones that he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that then, after they had been with him, that he might send them out to proclaim. That's what the word preach means. And I I don't like the word preach because we think only preachers preach. But the the word group, karukso, means to proclaim, means to declare. To send them out to proclaim the good news and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So here are their names. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee. And John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonarges, that is, sons of thunder. You know, you think about Christians being patsies. Not these two brothers. Sons of thunder. Can you imagine if it was James and John, like the rose petal twins or something? You know, I don't know. There's something not right about that. But sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And it's interesting. After he called the 12, the first thing they did You'd think they'd go out and do something fantastic. They went into a house. You may be seated. Take a look at your outline or even the screens. This is kind of where we've been in Ephesians the last several weeks. We first talked about how if we're not personally rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, if we are rooting ourselves in any other soil but the love of Christ, we're done. Only knowing that we are magnificently and powerfully and deeply loved by Christ 
can give us the security, can fill up the emptiness inside so that we're able to start to love others. And so the same Paul who said we're to be rooted and grounded in God's love said, we start out of that rooting to relate to others. We're fellow citizens in his household. We lose the labels. No longer are we the circumcised ones or the uncircumcised ones, the Jews, the Gentiles, the black, the white, the Asian, the Latino, the city folk, the suburban folk, the educated folk, the uneducated folk. All of a sudden, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Our, our identity comes from that love that Christ has given us that bonds us together. That's our primary identity. That's how we hang together. That's how we can keep unified. And then in that relationship as fellow citizens in the household of God, Paul goes on to say that our role together is to equip and be equipped, every believer to be equipped to serve out of Ephesians 4.12. And remember that our working definition for the word equip is to be spiritually and emotionally nurtured and trained and strengthened to be a giver and not just a taker in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So that being about being in the body of Christ is not just about attending some kind of a gathering like this and directing your attention up front so we can hear somebody preach or somebody sing. It's about being in community to the extent that every last one of us is somehow being nurtured and uh, built up and deepened both emotionally and spiritually, because those two work hand in hand, so that we can somehow be not just all about ourselves, but we can learn to be about others and, and be about serving them. And when we do that, what happens is, Ephesians 4.13, we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We become literally Jesus Christ in the world, not a dysfunctional Christ, a fully working, and it takes every part of the body. It takes every brother and sister. You know, so many of us feel like we don't belong. We're not religious. It isn't about religion. It's not about, you know, whether you've been to seminary. It's not about your pedigree. It's not even about what you did last night. It's about the fact that if you believe in Jesus Christ and you think you're supposed to be in this community, then it's our job to somehow be about equipping and being equipped so that there's not even one little hangnail that's not strong in the body of Christ. That each one, you can't, we've got to lose the clergy thing. We've got to lose the, the hierarchical thing. We've got to lose the robe and the collar thing. We've got to lose the, hey, we're the recipients and those are the givers thing. We've got to lose the priest and laity thing. I'm not saying there's no gifts of leadership. There are gifts of leadership. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But that was not to be a divisive category. That Those leaders were to be servant leaders teaching others to serve. As we said last week, how can you give away what you haven't received? If we're not servants as leaders, how can we teach anyone else to serve? The whole point of the body coming together is to somehow equip itself so that we can become the measure of the fullness of Christ in the world. Yeah. This is the plan of God. This ain't my plan. I'm not smart enough to come up with this plan. This is God's plan. You know, love tent revivals, whatever, they're superfluous. Love big stadium events, whatever, they're superfluous. If we never have another stadium event, 
the kingdom of God is not going to be better or worse without those stadium events. I'm not saying people don't come to Christ at those stadium events. I'm just saying when we focus on that, which is very Western, by the way, we love our big gatherings. It makes us feel like we're doing something. We miss the fact that what really has to happen is this thing right here where somehow one brother or one sister and maybe a few others are gathering together to somehow equip one another with the tools that are necessary to heal our wounded spirits and to renew our battered minds so that we can together become Christ to the world. Last week I was at... um, the pastor's conference, the Evangelical Covenant pastor's conference, and I don't, I don't like those things that much, to be quite frank with you, as you might imagine if, if you've known me for very long. But I took a class that's going to head me toward becoming maybe a more intimate part of this Evangelical Covenant community, and what I really loved about hearing all the presenters in this class, these were the executive servant leaders in our body. I don't think there was a one of them that got up to lead us over four days that didn't tell a story about human beings and then they started to weep. And I thought, my God, thank you that we're involved in a group. You can call it a denomination if you want. We're involved in a group whose executive leadership weeps over people. And this one sister who, she had served in Ecuador with her husband for a lot of years. I think her name is Margie and her husband's name was um, Baxter. And apparently uh, they had to go somewhere one night in Ecuador and he wanted to take a bike ride right before they went. And so he went down this mountain on his bike with a couple of maybe short-term missionaries with him. And at the bottom of this mountain, right about the time they got to a bridge where some Ecuadorians were building a bridge, his tire blew. And so he got off the bike and, and, and they were at this bridge and he was starting to fix this tire and his, his buddies were helping him. And one of the young short-termers said to Baxter, the long-term missionary, um, the career missionary said, why don't you tell these five Ecuadorians here about the bridge that is Jesus between this life and the next life? And Baxter was just honest, honest enough to say to himself, I don't really feel like it, man. I don't know these people. And uh, I'm not going to be able to follow up with these people. But the guy, you know, he's looking over here at this, like, intern going, tell him, tell him. He's like, oh, I got to tell him. And so he begins to tell these five Ecuadorian bridge workers about the bridge that is Christ, how God sent his son to provide this, this bridge between our sinful selves and a perfect and holy God by dying for us and forgiving us. And so the, the, the brothers heard it, and they seemed quite receptive, and so he's like, okay, get to get back to the tire. And about that time, a taxi cab came up, and as often happens in, 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 a, in a culture like that, there'd just be some bread for lunch. And so the taxi cab driver, I don't know where he got the bread, don't worry, he got the money. He just threw some bread out to these brothers for their lunch. And the, um, the worker, the short-termer said, hey, Baxter, why don't you tell him about the one who's the bread, <laughs> the bread of life? The bread who is Christ, and Baxter's like, man, this guy will not stop. (laughs) And so he begins to tell them about the one who said, if you eat of me, drink of me, you will have eternal life. 
And he got to the end of that time, uh, and he just thought, I, I got to say something. Now, I told him about the Jesus who's the bridge and Jesus who's the bread. And so he said, would anyone here, any of you five, would you like to know how you can just simply believe in that Christ and have forgiveness of sin and eternal life? And all five said, I would. So Baxter led them to faith in Christ and then got the tire reasonably fixed, started up the mountain, got halfway up the hill, the mountain, whatever, and realized he had lost his pump, had to go back down the mountain to get his pump, got back down the mountain just in time to see a, growl, a crowd of Ecuadorians who had gathered around these five bridge workers. And the bridge workers were talking to these Ecuadorians about the Christ who is the bridge and the Christ who is the bread. And he got there just in time to hear him offer to them, would any of you like to put your faith in the Christ who is the bridge and the Christ who is the bread? Man, in that class, we were just like, woo! <laughs> we were a basket case. But you see, Though that wasn't a very long equipping session that Baxter had with those five brothers, somehow by him hanging with them, not in some kind of stadium, in some kind of large venue where everybody can like be wired up and just by being with, being together in that small community, he equipped them enough to give away what they had to someone else who also needed to know about Christ. And so what... I, I want us to get maybe a little bit more of today is if we don't do this, there is no hope. Unless when we sing these songs, we're just singing them because we're kind of used to singing them. But if Christ really is the light of the world... And if we are to be the fullness of Christ, Ephesians 4, 13, if we don't equip ourselves to be the fullness of Christ, then there is no light for the darkness in the world. As you've heard me say many times in the last months, there is no Calvary coming. We are the Calvary. And when I say we, don't look at the person next to you. You, whether you be a thumbnail or an eye or a part of the hair or the scalp of the body of Christ, if you're not there, if you are not present, and I'm not talking about church attendance, I'm talking about you being equipped, being intentional about being equipped to be all you can be for Christ in terms of serving one another and serving the world. If you're not about it, then we go out into the world as a limping, dysfunctional Jesus. And so one of the things we talked about last week was so how to get this done? And we talked about the difference between organic and relational, which is very much what happened with Baxter that day on the bike. There was no bike program of equipping. It just happened. They, they took advantage of the opportunity and started to hang. Or something that's more structured and more organized. And as you know, in the West, we lean toward the structured and the organized the churches I've had in the past have been very much that way since I'm very unstructured and very unorganized. When I had the money, I would just hire somebody to structure us and organize us. Today, I'm leaning toward 
the more organic and relational. And one of the reasons is because of what I see happening in the New Testament. So before I bring our brothers and sisters up to share a little bit about what's going on in this community, in this area, let's turn, like you're right there at Mark, and we're gonna turn to a few passages just to talk about how this worked in the first century church. How did they equip each other? How were they equipped in the first century church? I want you to notice first in terms of Jesus. And he's kind of like the main guy, wouldn't you say? He brought these 12 brothers to be with him. Now, you know what that means in the Greek, don't you? It means with him, exactly. And so what did Jesus spend time doing with these brothers and sisters Actually, just brothers in this group, there were sisters that were with him as well. What did he spend time doing? Hanging out. And what was happening while he was hanging out? What are, all the, what are the gospels about, about Jesus hanging out with these 12? To get ready to do what? To send them out to proclaim and have power to bring light into the darkness, to equip them to be about being the fullness of Christ to the world. Because remember, very soon he was going to go back to eternity after the crucifixion resurrection, and he said, so send I you. Go into all the world and proclaim my light in the darkness. And what, what he did was he equipped them by simply being with them. And so they never sat down in a formal classroom. They really didn't have a textbook. They didn't have the New Testament. He couldn't sit them down even on a hillside and say, would you turn to the Gospel of Mark? Oh, yeah, it hasn't been written yet. Or could you turn to a copy of Isaiah the prophet? Oh, yeah, those are in the synagogues, and we're not in a synagogue. So what he had was the relationship, what he knew about God the Father, what he knew about the mission, his own mission, and he gave it away. Or he taught it. He'd say, look at that farmer over there in the field. Look how he's sowing that seed. So we are to go out and sow the seeds of the kingdom. Interestingly enough, 11 out of these 12 went on to become martyrs for the cause. Actually, John was exiled um, on Patmos and then died at old age. So really 10, technically speaking, became martyrs for the sake of Christ. Interestingly enough, we're in the Gospel of Mark right now. And Peter, who was a bumbler at times, but got something from Christ in time that he spent with him. Peter passed what he had on to this guy named Mark, who, if you can write this down, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13... When Peter is writing his first letter to the church scattered that day, he said, I want you to receive greetings from my son in the faith, Mark. And Mark is the one who most likely took Peter's reminiscences of being with Jesus and wrote them down in this gospel. So you, you see, just like with the Ecuadorians, you spend time with someone, at least Jesus said, you give them what you have in terms of the kingdom of God. You live life together. You do life together. This is so much more than just hanging out on a Sunday for two hours. And you, you give away what you have, and those folks, in turn, are equipped to give away what they have to someone else, and those, in turn, are equipped to give away what they have, and so the light of Christ comes to a dark world. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 3. How did this work for Paul, who was one of, the, uh, one of the additional apostles who saw Jesus 
resurrected self in Acts chapter 9. And so he was called an apostle, one who was going to bear witness to that resurrection. So here he is in one of his journeys. And it says in 16.1, Paul, on one of these journeys, came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who believed in Christ, but his father was a Greek who apparently was not a believer. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go on, what does it say? With him, on the journey with him. Well, what do you know? Jesus called 12 to be with him, and they hung out with him. They had intimate connection over a period of time together, and so here's Paul, what's he doing? What's he repeating? The same pattern. He gets a guy named Timothy, and he says, would you come and be with me? Now notice, go from this text to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. In fact, starting with verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy. Which Timothy? The Timothy he took with him, hung out with him, got on a boat with him, um, walked across Asia Minor with him, poured into him. He says to Timothy, who now I'm calling a true son in the faith. He had birthed by this connection. He had birthed Timothy in Christ. And guess what Timothy was doing? Timothy was one of the leaders, one of the servant leaders in the community of Ephesus. And so here you have this Christ who downloaded into Paul, Paul who got with Timothy and downloaded into Timothy. Now Timothy was about downloading into the believers who were in Ephesus, equipping them. Now go over to Romans chapter 16, verse 5. I want you to see something about early church structure. You've seen a couple relational things with Jesus and Paul, but I want you to see something about early church structure that's kind of different from the structure that we have today in the modern church. At the end of this letter to these Roman believers, Paul says in verse 3 of chapter 16, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila. My fellow workers in Christ who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. What are you talking about, man? A whole church in somebody's house? Well, don't forget, they, do you know that they had no buildings? There were no gatherings of 300, 3,000 the early believers were connected in smaller communities. It was like, what a blessing that they had no money. What a blessing that they had no buildings. What a blessing that they had, that they were persecuted. So they had to kind of stay on the down low most of the time in the Roman Empire. So here they are meeting in the house of Priscilla and Quilla. And Paul says, that's not just a little small group. He says, it's the church. What denomination were they? I don't think they had those back then. If you're a follower of Christ, you're willing to call out his name, you were hanging out in Rome, that's where you lived, then you would be connected to a house church. In fact, you say, well, is that just an anomaly in Rome? Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19. 
Paul says, the churches of Asia greet you. He's writing this from Rome. Greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. And he's assuming here, by, by him talking about the same house church that was in Rome, that they understood the lingo that here in Corinth they were also gathering in homes in the very, very same way. Equipping took place in this natural and intimate setting in a way that cannot possibly take place on a larger setting. Can you be equipped at all in a larger setting? Yeah, you can a little bit. But can you really get to what you really need to get to? Can Cindy and I really dialogue? Can Cindy and Lori and I really get to what's really happening? Like stopping, pausing, and taking a biblical truth and fleshing it out so that she and she and I can somehow that day walk out of there a bit more like Christ, a bit more functional like the risen Christ than before we came in. It's too easy just to say, painful place, not going there. Even when a strong word's being taught, painful place, not going there. Or frankly, I need to talk to somebody about what this means. Well, how can you do that with 250 people in an auditorium? It's impossible. Nothing wrong with a gathering like this, but we are teasing ourselves if we think that Hope Community Church can equip, that we can be fully equipped to be a functional Christ just by hanging out on Sunday morning. It is absolutely a lie. It's impossible. Well, well, thank you, Annette. Thank you very much. When I told Annette to clap right at that point, we were hoping that others of you would join, but apparently you didn't see fit. Turner, I'll tell you, man. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking hard and fast here, but you may be going, yeah, whatever. I cannot tell you how serious your elders and I feel about this reality. There will always be a place for you here if you just want to keep hanging out on Sunday morning. There will always be a place for you, always. Nod your head if you get that. There will always be a place for you, always. But I'm just saying, the God of the universe wants more for you. And he wants more for us. That somehow... If you and 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 you, how are you? Good. And you, good to see you. And you, and yes, Daphne, even you. And you and you if we're not somehow in, a, in an arena where we're being equipped emotionally and spiritually to become a giver, not just a taker, to work through the woundedness that's in our hearts. Look, somehow something has to shift. It's not just about what happens in here on Sunday. It cannot be any longer, or we have maxed out our impact. At some point, you can't say, well, those folks, the teachers, the whatever. No, their main role is to equip you to be all you can be. 
In fact, you might even be a teacher that just needs some more equipping so you can find out that you're one that's supposed to help equip. So that this place, the, the folks that are supposed to be gathered, and we have ostensibly three or 400 of us scattered around the metro area and even off into the far reaches of Judea and Samaria and Lansing and Ann Arbor and other far reaches, Brighton. Brother that led worship this morning, Brighton, uttermost parts of the earth. <laughs> that if we don't get this, we've maxed out our ability to have impact. Two more, two more thoughts about men and women. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Interesting what Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, to be about. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. And you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What was Timothy's main task? To be, Paul said to Timothy, your main task is to become a very famous, podcasted, world-renowned not. He said your main task is to gather some brothers around you and give them what I have given you so that they in turn can go give it away to others. Met this guy in one of the groups I was in this week at this conference, the guy's name was Gilbert. He said his mother was Mexican, his father was Puerto Rican, so he called himself a Mexican. <laughs> Which again, just illustrates the absurdity of the labeling thing. Cablinasian, you get the point. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and so he proceeded to tell us how out of this incredible background that he had come from of some really tough stuff because of some men who had taken the time to equip him. He was now in California in a larger community of believers helping equip families and students to walk with Christ so that they could grow and be able to give away what he had given them because of some men. He kept saying, because of some men who took time with me when I was a young, in fact, he said, he said, I'm the most diverse person you'll ever meet. I, I played football, I was an artist, I was a rapper, and I was into heavy metal. I was like, whoa. <laughs> he said, men came and said, it ain't about that. You're a son of God. You're a brother in Christ, and we're going to pour into you, like Paul said, so that you can now be pouring into others. And finally, look at uh, Titus chapter 2, just a couple of letters, one letter over. In fact, I was naming the names last night when I was pulling the rest of this together. What would, what would I be doing today if it wouldn't have been for John Renner, a guy who took time with me when I was in this group called Christian Service Brigade? Any of you ever in Christian Service Brigade? It's kind of like a Christian Boy Scout thing. We had these corny bolo ties and you had all these little Weblo things that you could win. And, you know, being obsessive-compulsive, I won them all. 
got them all. But that isn't the main thing I got from, from John Renner. I got Christ. Then there was Walt Campbell uh, when I was playing football at Taylor who poured into me. We had a Bible study with three or four of us who played football there, and we just met every week, and he just poured into us, an older brother. Are you getting this? Or I would not be here today. Those brothers and many others equipped me. Or I would not be standing here today even partially equipped. And so Paul says to the sisters, verse 3, that the older women, Titus 2, 3, likewise be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they admonish and build up the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. So here's older women pouring into younger women. I think you get the point. And so this is what I want to say before I bring my folks up that are going to talk to you, our folks up. This is what I believe. Put the quote up there, will you please, Savannah? According to Scripture, Believers in the early church were equipped to serve one another in a variety of ways, but the emphasis seems to be on smaller venues where spiritual and emotional maturity could be transferred and developed in relational and real-life settings. What I think I'm saying to you on behalf of the elders and the leadership here is we must continue to go there if we are going to be equipped to be the fullness of Christ in our world. Can I bring up um, these folks this morning? They're going to share with you just a couple minutes each. Come on up. These folks are all involved in uh, a Bible study or a group You guys want to stand, sit? You want to stand and kind of support each other? Got this mic? I'm going to ask Dave Chapman to come up first. Uh, Dave and Sarah and, and Emil. They've had a Bible study. And you might say, well, uh, what ministry is this under at Hope? Remember the difference between organic and relational and structured, and you, you see what I'm saying? This is just a Bible study that Dave and Sarah started to form to equip folks. So Dave, what do you want us to know, and who are you going to have share how they feel that they're being equipped? I'll have Emil, the lead guitar player here at Hope, <laughs> be sharing. Uh, we have it every week, and on the first and third, we split up in men's and women's time. We get together for prayer. Sometimes we sing praise songs, and then we split up men downstairs, women upstairs. And then on the second and fourth, we get together as a group uh, to do the equipping. And I'm turning it over to Emil. Hello. Um, so, yeah, the Bible study has been really good. I mean, for like 15 or plus years, you know, I would sit out in the sanctuary, get a great sermon. Most of those have been with Pastor Butcher. And um, that, that was pretty much my walk with Christ. I mean, I believed, um, tried to do the right thing, definitely was a believer, um, and felt like, okay, I'll get fed there, that'll get me through the week, come back, get fed again. And um, when I came to Hope, Megan and I started coming to Hope, um, 
we wanted to get involved a little more, but I didn't want to just jump into some leadership position or some ministry without getting a way to make sure that I was equipped enough and had enough uh, foundation to be able to provide things to perhaps people I'd be teaching or just people in a group. So originally we started going to, uh, or I started going to Band of Brothers, and via that I met Pete here, and uh, that was a good time, and I got involved through that, and Pete invited me to Dave's Bible study. Um, and it's been a really good experience because it gets us into the word more. We're kind of held accountable to basically make sure that we're reading um, and actually studying, not just, okay, let's see what Pastor Butcher's got for us this week and take a few notes. Um, you know, the people in the group are expecting us to be, to, to come forward and to uh, have thoughts on what we learned that week, how our walk's going. We have a lot of different people in the group, which is encouraging. We have people who have uh, gifts of music. We have people who um, help lead uh, some of the things that you see on the screen and uh, gifts of administration. Um, we have people who help tutor the students, and so there's a lot of uh, emphasis put on that. We have people who uh, are traveling abroad and doing missionary work, um, all in this small little group. And even though we're all different and we all have a lot of different tastes and where we think our skill sets are and where we think maybe we're called to be, um, we all support each other and we hold each other accountable and lift each other up through what we're studying um, to be better and to help uh, give each other enough encouragement that we can lead others and or at least participate more than we would be able to to just get involved in somewhere and it's exciting for a month or two and then you kind of lose interest so <laughs> and we have people that don't even go to our church too oh. from the bible study believe it or not <laughs> thank you dave I'm going to have my friend Pete, who's going to come up. You're going to see a picture on the screen of a group that Pete and I um, co-lead. Gerald has been with us for quite a while, but Gerald's working in another part of the community now, so can't be with us. And Pete's going to talk to you about how maybe he sees himself being equipped and also helps equip in this community of believers that meet on Wednesday at around 4 o'clock here in the building. Um, I, uh, we started this group about two and a half years ago. Gerald, Larry, and Kevin, and I came about two years ago. It's a group of teens through young adults who mostly sit in the balcony, 15 to 35 years old. And uh, I got to stop and say something. I saw something this morning. I was sitting in the back pew, and uh, when Leah was speaking, Leah's my homegirl. I love her. That's my homegirl. So. But um, when she was talking, her dad was back there. And Leah got emotional, started to almost cry or was crying. And I had to look away because I would have started bawling. But I looked, I turned away, and as I turned away, I saw her dad. And he was just, I mean, everything in him just to hold in his tears. Mm. And it, it was just like he kept moving forward. He moved up a pew, and he just kept walking towards Leah, but he stopped. And it made me think, like, man, I wish I had a father like that. Mm. And... Uh, we do. I do. Um, he wants to embrace me just like that. Amen. Through my, uh, my sorrows and my happiness. And it was uh, amazing to 
to see that this morning. But back to the group thing. Um, <laughs> I just had to say that, I'm sorry. But um, our, our group has grown. We started off with, sometimes we'd get two people at, uh, our group starts at four. And we were getting people coming in at five minutes to five to eat. You know, we eat at the end of our group. We, we look at jobs on the table um, around the community. We try to get people to work. And it was getting a little discouraging because um, nobody was coming for the jobs. Nobody was coming for the devotional. And so, and the numbers were horrible. And now, this past Wednesday, we had 22 young people mm. at Amen. our group. Amen. And it's, it's about like that every time. We got, um, we got so, so many good people in this neighborhood. And it's, I think it starts with what we got coming on Wednesday, uh, making a difference. This past Wednesday, we went, went around the table, and um, we were talking about uh, who's been an encouragement in our lives. And how can we encourage somebody in our life, in their life? And one of the older guys, we call them the old heads in the group, um, he said uh, he wants to be an influence on one of the 16-year-olds in our group. Mm. And it was phenomenal because um, that's where it starts. It starts Kevin being faithful to what he's doing, us being faithful, the older guys influencing the younger guys. And it's really grown, and I appreciate it. I love them. I know what you mean about falling in love with them, so thanks. Amen, Pete. Amen, brother. How about a, how about a shout out from any of our group that are up here today? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you. Yeah. Did you, you get the feel, get the equipping again that all of a sudden someone who's feeling like they're just being poured into just a little is all of a sudden starting to think about how can I pour into someone else? Do you see this? Nod your heads if you're getting this. This can't be just one of those, well, that was nice. No, this is like, it, again, not seismic, but it's a paradigm shift. From this point forward, we're looking at everyone has got to be, you see, even the first two groups, very different. One's more of a Bible study. Another was formed under different pretenses. But the point is, you're still giving away Christ. You're receiving Christ. You're getting the ability to minister to others in the name of Christ. We've got to find ways for every one of us to be connected in that kind of a venue, or we are stuck in our ability to communicate a functional Jesus to the world. Ryan is going to represent a group of about 12 or 13 young men that, um, that I lead every other Tuesday night and going to tell you about how he feels like he's being equipped. Well, the fact that I'm even holding this microphone in front of you <laughs> speaks a little to that because, uh, you know, a couple years ago, if something had, like this had come up and they had asked me to speak, I'd be like, mm, that's okay, I'll pass. You know, somebody else who's, who's better at that can go ahead and do that, and I'll just kind of watch. But um, I, when I got the call from one of the guys in our group saying, hey, you want to do this, you know, th those old thoughts started to creep in. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's not who I am. Um, you know, those old insecurities that because of this group that I've been able to deal with over the past year, you know, I was able to push those aside and just, you know, like we've been talking about, knowing who I am in Christ. And uh, so here I am in front of you because of that. So that's one part. Um, mm -hmm. Another part is just being with this group of guys has been, like, so incredible. Um, when we first got together, we were all kind of saying the same thing. Like, you know, we just really want to just have a group of guys that we can be with, be together, you know, spend time with, just be who we are, you know, not have to, 
you know, go to someone and, you know, seek counsel or have somebody be, you know, preaching at you or coaching you, you know, you just want to be able to say your stuff each week and, you know, have the other guys listen and know that they, you know, are meeting you at, at the same level, basically, you know, they, we all have our own baggage, we all have our own stuff that we're dealing with on a weekly basis, but just to be there each week like that and, and hear that and be able to encourage and lift each other up has spoken to me a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I had the typical guy thoughts at the beginning of this group, you know, like where my, as far as my identity, where it was at, I was like thinking, you know, I don't have the job, I don't have the salary, I don't have the certain accomplishment or talent that, you know, I'm not the guy that I should be for my family because I wasn't, ha I didn't have that income or that job that, you know, we always look for or look to, but because of this group, I've, you know, been able to put that aside, and I know that's not who I am. I'm not a job. I'm not a salary. I'm not a, you know, s some other Amen. thing that we get, we get hung up on. Um, uh, my, di my identity is in Christ. You know, I've Amen. been chosen by the Father, um, redeemed by the Son, and uh, sealed by the Spirit. Amen. And because of that, um, because of the equipping that I've been receiving, um, it's made me a better spouse at home, as better husband, and, and more in tune to my wife. And you know, what I what I used to see as my insecurities now, I just see as like strengths and weaknesses and things that I need to work on, and, and being able to communicate that to her and love her in that way. So, um, it's. I know I'm always going to be able to look at this group and see it as a milestone in my life. You know, when I think about milestones in my life as far as becoming the person I am, um, it's definitely going to be this group is one of them. Amen, Brian. Amen. Thanks, brother. In fact, if you're in my uh, Tuesday group, you're here this morning, just stand, will you? Because they know, I've, I've taught them that if they don't come to big church, they're going to hell. So that, <laughs> so you can see, here's some of the guys, and there's a couple guys up here, here in the balcony as well. So, brothers, love you so much. Love you so much. We also have, uh, here at Hope, we have several community groups, which again, as was already talked about this morning, are larger gatherings, but they meet together once a month. And I see Adrian here this morning is one of our community group leaders. Trying to think, are any of our other community group leaders here today? I know the Stewarts are not here today because they had something go down with their family that they had to attend to. And, and Abel, all right? And Marie, there's Marie over here. Is there a problem here? No, okay, just Abel was singing this morning. But I thought instead of having a community group leader share, I thought I would have a person from a community group speak about how they feel like they might have been equipped. And interestingly enough, we have three here today, Mo, Curly, and Larry, who, no, just teasing. Interestingly enough, these are the three folks who have been equipped to the point that they run our 4-H ministry, and Monique is the executive director of our 501c3, HCOD. So they're in the Stewart's community group, and I thought I'd have them just represent three people who are being equipped by being a part of that community group, and one of them maybe would like to share how that's working. Um, one of the things that was really interesting to me was with the Stewart's um, group is that Deborah and Glenn um, specifically took me and my kids out to dinner one night. And they have invited each family out, not just me because I'm in their community group. My family's in their community group too. And they took us out to dinner and got to know both of my girls. Um, and so that was really touching to me. 
One of the other things, too, that really touched me about Deborah and Glenn is that even in the midst of Glenn and Deborah dealing with two of their brothers, you know, passing away, another brother being sick, they still took the time to mail Christmas cards. They still took the time to call and see how me and the girls were doing. And um, for me, I'm also grateful. I'm going to say I'm crying just because I'm tired, but I know that's not just the reason. Um, that they not only feed to me, but they feed into my other brothers and sisters that are in the group so that in the past two weeks where the, the three of us have been exhausted and running on nothing, I could pull energy from the two of them to run on. Mm. Um, and it's because we all feed off of one another. And one of the things in our group that we decided is that we actually need an agenda because we would get so talking and so concerned with what's going on in one another's lives that it was like, oh, we almost forgot the Bible study part of it. Mm. And we're so connected to each other that when we see each other, um, it's really, you know, how are you doing? And it's not like a how are you doing and you can say fine and you go about your ways. It's really, no, how are you? How are you doing? Mm. And sometimes with the just fine answer, that doesn't fly real well. Because um, we're not about just being surfacy and, you know, high five and go about the way. But um, the other thing is, too, with Deborah and, and uh, Glenn, they've been, they have two sets of triplets, the three of us, and then they have Perlene, Marlene, and Beverly. <laughs> And it's like, you know, they, they deal with a lot of us. Um, but uh, is there anything else? Or? I, um, I like my community group because I can go with my junk. And um, when you're here at church, you're serving others. But I, too, need to be served. Hmm. And so I can call her because Sunday is good. But Monday through Friday... <laughs> And I have her and the rest of my community group to call when I'm not here on Sunday. And so when I'm here on Sunday, I'm kind of pulled in a lot of ways. So I don't really get a lot of servicing. But during the week, <laughs> I need to be lifted and encouraged all week long. And I have all those numbers and stories that we shared on the Sunday, the second Sunday, to get me through the rest. And we've shared to the point where we're all different, but we're all the same, and we all go through the same stuff. So I can go back and say, hey, you know, can we talk about this and that? And Deborah and Glenn has also um, reached out to my husband and I. And <laughs> it was so funny. They really wanted us to get together. And so my husband is not really eager to do that. So we just told him we were going to have dinner at their house. We get there, and Glenn decide we're going to play we. <laughs> there are many different ways to be equipped. It's quick, it, equipped it really did. It equipped us because I see, we seen how much fun they had with that, so we went and purchased the we. <laughs> there you have it, <laughs> in a nutshell. The, the part of that is that we were having a, a, a quality time thing. Yeah. So we get this we, and instead of arguing, we're down at this we boxing. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter comes yeah. down and look, because she can hear us like, get her, get her. She's like, what are they doing? <laughs> and this Carl and I standing there, shirts off, sweating, just boxing at the TV. <laughs> and it's like when we get 
stress, we'll just go, you want to play we? <laughs> and that came from Deborah and Glenn just saying, come over, let's just have dinner, you know, see how we can pull them in. And, I mean, $200 to save our marriage was great. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And just to know that, again, when speaking with the community groups, you know, it's not just a surfacey thing, the one time a month that you get together. It's so dimensional. It goes to so many different levels um, as far as relational amongst the group, you know, again, an opportunity to be who you are and, and get through life. It equips one another, as our leaders have done to us, thus allows us to be equipped in ministry, which then I, you know, as, as a ministry leader, get to equip my crews of people to do. And then God takes it even further dimension that then we go and equip others. And it, an example is just this week, these past two weeks, we're, you know, now equipping others who in turn turn back around and the gentlemen have equipped us. Mm -hmm. So, again, you may just think it's just a line item, something to put on your calendar. It goes dimensional. Amen. It goes far. Amen. Amen. And so never underestimate it. Just take a chance and you'll, you, you'll be amazed at what God would do with it. Thank you, sisters. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I should alert. Uh, I think I should alert. Uh, Best Buy and some places today because there's going to be some <laughs> wees that are going to be purchased. One last sister, um, Sue, uh, has been leading a Bible study for a minute. I wanted to tell you about how this has worked for her. Good morning. You know, as much as I'm up here, I'm like really nervous today. I don't know why. I think because I don't, I don't really consider myself a leader. Um, I'm more of the school of Moses and the school of Jonah. <laughs> Please pick somebody else because it's not me. But um, I could never do what I do if it weren't for two people that were very instrumental in equipping me. Um, one of them is Marie Pegarero, my spiritual mom. And the other one is Kevin Butcher. Mm. my spiritual dad. Mm. Um, unlike Leah, I didn't have a dad that cared about me or cared to um, even hang out with me. And so these two people um, poured into me. They taught me to love Jesus by their example. They really taught me to love myself. Because if I couldn't love myself, I couldn't love other people. Mm. And I don't know. Out of that came a single parents group several years ago. Nothing planned. I'm not a great planner despite what you guys think about me. <laughs> but um, I was just open to what God had for me. Um, and out of that came this women's Bible study, a great group of women that are very different in their walks, in uh, 
diversity in their education. Some have kids, some don't have kids. I mean, it's, it's the whole spectrum, but one thing we have in common is our desire to walk with the Lord. And um, just recently, um, a young sister, April Aylard, asked me, would I consider meeting with her mm. twice a month mm. to just hang out and have breakfast? And it really has been a joy. And since then, Katie Eibach has joined us. Megan Bonani has joined us. And uh, we meet at the Rams Horn. <laughs> I'm trashed it. I'm just saying, there is no plan. Mm. There is no plan. Love Jesus. Love yourself. Mm. Then you can love each other mm. and just hang out. Mm. And then see what God does. Be open to what he has for you. Don't mm. be scared. Don't be scared. Just hang out. And that's it. Amen. Amen. Could you give these brothers and sisters a round of applause, please? You guys can be seated. We're going to close with a song here in just a second, but I, you know, I had some other things to, to possibly kind of wrap up with, but I'm not going to because this is going to be ongoing. Say the word with me, ongoing. Okay. What, what I think we need to start with, though, is what we've hopefully done at the conclusion here this morning of this small series as, as one of your shepherds, my passion is that you want this for you as much as God the Father wants it for you. Because nobody, there is not going to be an equipping police. We've already talked about that. I want you to see that you cannot live the Christian faith isolated. You cannot be a Lone Ranger First of all, you may not even survive. You've heard the old thing about the lion roaring, picking off that straying gazelle. So you need community for survival, but if you're going to be equipped, you don't just hear a sermon. I don't care how much you've got on your podcast through the week. You've got to have brothers and sisters pouring in, giving and taking, or you cannot be all you were meant to be in Christ. And if you begin to get that, as you've heard, and these folks were a little bit nervous there is so much underneath these stories. I think you already know this about Sue, so I don't mind even mentioning it. Sue looks like little Susie Homemaker. In fact, one of her emails used to be Susie Homemaker, heroin addict, 11 years. Not presently, of course. Thank God. She's been, yeah, she's been clean for about 12 years. Oh, 19 and a half years. So there. What? Oh, since 1986. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you might say it's not for me. Do you believe in Christ? Then this connection is for you. This is what you were destined for, to be equipped, and many of you to be equipping. In fact, in some ways, we're all being equipped and equipping at the same time. You heard it. It's a soup. You get in there, and we're just influencing one another and growing each other up in the name of Christ to the point that we go out into a fractured, broken, messed up world looking for healing, and they see us healing 
And they say, maybe there's a God who wants to reach out and heal me too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? Let's rock the house.